church, isn't it? It's good to be with one another. Amen. Amen. You know, I've got a, um, a son. I actually have two sons. But my, but my youngest son, he's just so captivated by a movie called Star Wars at the moment. He's just so into Star Wars. And uh, I don't mind Star Wars, but to tell the truth, I'm getting a little bit over it. <laughs> but he, he is into Star Wars. But there's a, there's a, there's a scene in one of those uh, Star Wars movies, and it's probably one of my favourite scenes, and it's Darth Vader, and he stands there, and I think he's fighting Luke, and he stands there with clenched fat fist in defiance, and he says, you do not know the power of the dark side, something like that. You do not know the power of the dark side. Well, this morning, as believers in Christ, we don't want to overestimate the power of the dark side. As believers in Christ, we do not want to underestimate the power of the dark side. And as believers in Jesus, we do not want to underestimate the grace and the power of our God. Amen. I'm going to expand or expound a little this morning. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 to 14. And so if you uh, have your Bibles, you might like to turn, the, turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you for the Holy Spirit's inspiration of your word. And we ask that your Holy Spirit this morning would take, Lord, truths from your word and apply them to our hearts and our understanding. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read Romans 6, verses 1 to 14. Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin." Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires." Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. I just want to recap a little bit um, 
give a, a really brief uh, overview of Romans to get to the place to where we are t- today in the Scriptures. Uh, Rome was a, a major, a major a city, about a million people. Its emperors were godless. Vice and crime was uh, prevalent. And the, and, and the Lord planted a church there and Paul's writing to that church in, in Romans. It's a church that he did not plant. The church was initially Jewish. There were about 40,000 Jews living in Rome, but they were expelled by Claudius who kicked all the Jews out and so the church became mainly Gentile. Though in AD 54, Claudius allowed the Jews to, to return and so we have a church that's now predominantly Gentile but initially was Jewish, both, both uh, Jew and Gentile together. As I said, Paul didn't, didn't plant this church but he had some acquaintance with people uh, in the church. We can tell by his, uh, the last chapter of Romans, by his uh, greetings. To get to where we are in Romans 6 today, Paul has expounded or, or explained some uh, major themes and I've got some of those up there. He said that God is righteous and that God has a righteous anger against sin. He's taught that no one is righteous, that all have sinned, so both Jew and Gentile, Jews with the circumcision and law and Gentiles without, have all sinned, we have all sinned. He's taught that righteousness comes from God apart from the law, that justification is by grace alone through faith in Jesus. He's he's showed us how Abraham was justified by faith, that God credits or imputes righteousness to Abraham. I have that scripture, Genesis 15, verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Paul's shown us that we are reconciled to God through his son, Jesus Christ, that our relationship with God is possible through, through his son, Jesus, that sin and death came to us all in Adam or through Adam, but righteousness is available to all through Christ. And, he, and he's come to the purpose of the law, just briefly, he says in Romans 5 verse 20, the law was added to trespass, sorry, the law was added so that trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. The Old Testament law was added and brought increase to trespass, but where trespass increased, grace increased all the more which brings us to Romans 6 verse 1 and the the question that Paul's about to answer just before I go on I just would like to talk of three just a brief definition of sin of how Paul sees sin he sees it as a driving energy that produces sinful acts Sin is a driving energy that produces sinful acts. It's an inward bent toward independence from God. It's an inward bent. It's that which humanity has inherited from Adam's fall. Grace. Grace, we know, comes from the Greek word charis, and it's God's gift. It's God's free gift to us. It's His undeserved favour 
and His enabling power. And righteousness is the character or quality of being right or just. Righteousness speaks of God's absolute goodness, His absolute perfection. Righteousness in thoughts and actions and relationships that are right. And Paul comes to Romans 6 verse 1 and he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? It's like Paul is anticipating objection or anticipating a wrong conclusion drawn from his argument. Whether it's just an imagine, this is what Paul does through his letter, he has these sort of debates and whether that's just imagined or whether that's real, I think, it's probably, I think he's probably heard that there are some who are accusing him. Perhaps it's the Jews who, some of the Jews are, in, are, are, are just, um, are, are objecting to, his, to this thought that uh, grace increases that grace increases in response to the law. Or maybe it's some of the Gentiles and they're thinking, wow, if grace increases, that means we can still sin, we can still go and do what we want to do. And Paul says, by no means, exclamation mark, by no means, I am not, we are not going to continue in independence from God. We are not going to continue in sin and just do our own thing. By no means. Why not? And there's many warnings in the New Testament about the consequences of sin. But let's listen to what Paul says in these next chapter, next verses. He says this, We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Why are we not going to go on sinning? Because we died to it. How can I live in it any longer? How can I live in a place that does not belong to me? How can, how can we live in something that is just not ours, that just does not fit? You know, when I first came to Colac, I boarded in a house. I boarded with an elderly couple and I lived in that house. And to a point, I was subject to them and to the, to the way they lived. I, would, I tell you what, I never want to go back and live in that place. It's not where I belong. It's not where I live. I live at 214 Airy Street <laughs> <laughs> with my wife and children. That's where I live. We don't belong in sin. It's like Israel wanting to go back to Egypt. They no longer belonged in Egypt. How can we live in something that is not ours? Verse 3 to 4, he says, Or do you not know that all of us were baptised into Christ Jesus, were baptised into his death. 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so Paul says, don't you know, don't you realise in response to this question, shall, shall, we, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Don't you realise, don't you realise this, that when you were baptised into Christ Jesus, you were baptised into his death? Don't you realise that? And I think if we can hear what the Apostle Paul's saying and, and, and think of what the Roman church would have heard at that time, what they would have started to think about, what they would have started to bring to remembrance. I have no doubt that they would have thought of their water baptism, that they would have thought of that event in their life when they were baptised in water into Christ Jesus. You know, there's a lot of theological debate around baptism in, in Christianity today. But I want to say that I believe that water baptism is so important in our walk with God. Water baptism, it is symbolic, but I believe it's more than symbolic. It, is symbol, it does symbolise Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. Yet in water baptism, God's Holy Spirit is at work. God's Holy Spirit is, is, is plunging us, is immersing us into the death, into the burial, into the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, don't you realise, don't you realise that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Yes, we came to Christ and we're in him repentance and faith. We know from the scriptures that we don't, that repentance and faith will bring us safely home to eternity. Yet in water baptism, God imparts grace, I believe. God imparts an enabling grace that helps you and I walk out and live and enjoy righteousness. Jesus was baptised to fulfil all righteousness. The thief on the cross, he, he died. He was a repentant thief on the cross beside Jesus. And, and he put his trust in Jesus. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a picture of justification by faith. He didn't have to do anything else. There was nothing to do. But I believe if he had to walk out this life on earth following Jesus, if he had to wage a good fight, a good, a good battle, he would have got water baptised in obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit would have helped him continue in the faith, continue in righteousness, continue and conquer sin and death. Baptism is a historical event in our life that we can remember. It's a, an historical event 
that we can remember. I'll talk about it a little bit later, but the remembrance of our baptism can help us in our walk with Jesus. It can help us overcome sin and Satan. Baptism is an historical event that we can remember and it links us to the historical event of the death, burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are, we are, we take that which has died and we bury the old man in baptism and we are raised to newness of life that we too, that we too may live a new life. You know, when we're baptised, it's a little bit like if Jesus' life was a glass of water and I took a lump of salt or a lump of sugar, only the sugar's not that sweet, and I plunge it into the water, mix it up, dissolve it, my life is dissolved into Jesus. We, be, we are one with Him in death, in burial and in resurrection. Verse 5, Romans 5, I'll read to verse 7. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. If we have been united with him like this in his death, that word united comes from the Greek word planted. I like this. If we have been planted, if we have been planted with Jesus, with Christ, if we have been planted the thought behind it is that we're going to grow together. We're going to grow together. We're going to do life together. If we have been united with Him in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. We've been united, planted with Jesus in His death, His burial and His resurrection. We have new life flowing in us and our old self was crucified with Him. Our old self our old man was crucified with him. You know, when I first came to Christ, I didn't know very much at all. And I, uh, and I loved rock music. But most of the rock music I was listening to, I knew it wasn't good. And I remember I was a brand new Christian and I went to a Keswick convention. And there I was, and I'm looking through the records and there's this Christian, I couldn't believe it. Do you mean to say there's Christian rock bands? And I found this band called Petra. And I bought their album 
and I brought it home, and I'm listening to it. It's got this song. It's going, killing my old man, killing my old man. And I'm thinking, man, what is this? Why would I want to kill my father, my dad? I mean, what's wrong with him? And then I thought, surely it can't be. What's what? Man. Of course, they were talking about the sinful nature. They were talking about the old man. Paul says, we know that our old self, our old man or our old nature that we inherited through Adam, we know that that has been crucified. It's dead. We're no longer in Adam. Adam's dead sin, your sin nature, if you believe in Jesus, has been crucified in Christ. And if you don't believe, it has been, but you need to accept that you need to come to Jesus in repentance and faith to receive the benefits, the blessings of knowing that our old self, our old nature, has been crucified. It is dead. Why? that the body of sin might be done away with or rendered powerless. The body of sin, some think that this body of sin is like sin as a body, as we think of a, a large body of water. We might say the sea is a large body of water. Some think that perhaps Paul means that sin is a large body with power and influence. I don't think so. I think it's more likely that Paul's saying this body of sin, a reference to our own physical bodies, like he says in, in Romans chapter 7, the body of death. It's our bodies that find expression for sin, that, that where sin finds expression. I was reading James this week and about the tongue set on fire by hell, James says. Our, our, the members of our body. That's not to say our bodies, this body, this body's pretty good. There's nothing wrong, essentially, with our body. But it is the place where sin finds its reign. And it is not going to inherit the kingdom in its present state. It's weak and it's feeble, but God is going to raise our bodies and give us a new body when He comes back, when Jesus returns. But this old self, this old man has been crucified so that this body of sin is rendered powerless. It's rendered powerless. There are some in the Christian church who teach that a Christian cannot sin. I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. But I do believe this. There is no need for you and I to sin. There is no need for you and I to sin. That's not to bring us under condemnation when we do sin. I don't, I'm not saying that. Jesus, uh, God's provided for forgiveness. When we confess our sins, He's faithful and just. He has forgiven us our sins. But there's no need for you and I to sin because the sin nature, the sin nature does not define who you are 
in Christ. The sin nature does not define who you are, nor does sin dominate us as believers. Sin does not dominate us because our old self has been crucified with Christ and, and this body of sin has been rendered powerless by Him. Amen? You know, I, I've, got a, um, I've got a reputation at home. I'll tell you, <laughs> I love killing weeds. I love it. I, I love walking around my property. It's just an acre, you know. But I, I, like, I like getting out the roundup and spraying, spraying the gutters and killing weeds. I hate weeds. I just love it. And I love there. I, I got my lawn and I get out with the broadleaf and I spray the weeds and, and get the lawn looking great and kill them. I love seeing them die. I love it. But I, do, I know, but I've got, a, I've got a reputation over the years. This is built. In fact, I'm getting a phobia about it. And that is that I kill things I'm not meant to, <laughs> that I've wiped out. The garden, the veggie garden a couple of times. <laughs> I, it would, I, I wouldn't believe it, you know. And just, <laughs> I can't believe I still do this. And only, and only, oh, it was about a few months ago, I was out there with a roundup and Lynn had planted a beautiful James Sterling tree. It was about this high. It was really beautiful. <laughs> and about three weeks later, after I sprayed, it died. <laughs> And I said, surely I didn't do that. <laughs> do you know, it just kept, I just thought maybe it's not quite well, you know. We just keep dying. And here's this tree, just dead. Man, and you know, I could have watered it and nothing would have happened. I could have fertilised it. It was too late. It was dead. Nothing could have happened. But listen, listen, I could have taken Roundup, sprayed it with Roundup, Nothing would have happened. Wouldn't have affected it. It wouldn't have responded even to the roundup. We are dead. We are dead to sin in Christ Jesus. We are dead to sin. Sin does not have to have dominion. It does not have dominion over you and I. We are dead to its influence. We are dead to responding to it in Christ Jesus. We are dead. And we are alive to God with resurrection life and power to live for Him. Verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ... We believe that we will also live... Oops. Oh, yes, sorry. I'm in the right place. I'll start again. Now, if we died with Christ, we will believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. If we've died with Christ, 
we will live with Him. We will live with Him. We will live in relationship with Jesus. We will live with Him, empowered by His grace. We will live and enjoy righteousness, the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We will live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, physically rose from the dead, and He conquered death and hell. He conquered the greatest enemy, death. If Jesus' resurrection conquers death, that's the greatest enemy. All lesser enemies are a piece of cake to Jesus. <laughs> Sin, which is the result of, which causes death, is conquered by Jesus. He's broken its power. He's broken Satan's power. Death no longer has mastery over Jesus. Listen to this, the death he died, he died to sin. I found that amazing when I started to think about this. Jesus not only died for your sin and my sin, he died to sin. He died to sin's influence. He died to sin himself. He who knew no sin died to sin. And when Jesus died on that cross, when he gave his life, the devil didn't kill him, he willingly gave his life. He willingly gave his life, the punishment for your sin and my sin. And when he died on that cross, the devil could do no more to Jesus. The devil could do no more. He knew he was gone for the minute Jesus dies sinless. We read in, the, in one of the Gospels, death itself's broken. Rocks split open. Some God, godly people, Jesus, are raised from the dead and go into, into Jerusalem. Death itself, the death of Jesus. And when Jesus is buried and he rises from the dead, the relationship of Jesus to sin has changed. The devil's no longer accusing him. He is not subject to, to the intentions of evil men anymore. He has conquered death and hell. He has risen victorious. Amen. Jesus died to sin. He died to sin. And when he died to sin, you and I in Christ died to sin. Amen. And we have been raised to life with him through his resurrection from the dead. In the same way, Paul says, count yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And Paul's giving us some practical instruction now because it's not all automatic. It has, in, it has happened in principle, in reality, in Christ, it is real. But you and I are called to live this out, to flesh this out in our life and to live for Jesus. And he says this, count yourselves dead to it, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That word count is a mathematical term. It means we're going to do the sums. 
We're going to add things up. We're going to look at the facts. We're going to look at the cross of Jesus. And we're going to remember that when Jesus died, I died. My sinful nature was crucified with him. The body of sin rendered powerless. I'm going to remember that when he was buried, I was buried with him. My old man, my old nature has been buried and, I'm, and I've got new life in Christ. I'm going to remember this. I'm going to add it up. I'm going to remember that I was baptised in water into Christ and God has given me enabling grace and power to overcome sin and overcome Satan. I'm going to add up and do the sums. If all this is true, it's just, it it's just makes sense, doesn't it? It's just a fact that we're dead to sin and alive to God. It's, that, it's a fact that I can count myself like Jesus, dead to sin, but alive in my relationship with God, alive to Him. Therefore, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. I'm going to resist. I'm going to resist. I'm not going to offer the parts of my body as an instrument to wickedness, but rather we're going to offer ourselves, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. Instruments. The word instruments, it's actually, it can mean utensils, but it's actually got a military connotation. It's, it, it actually is a military term. And so what I am going to do, having, having done the sums, done the maths, realised who I am in Christ, that I'm dead to sin and alive to Him, I'm, resist, I'm going to resist the temptation to offer any part of my body as an instrument of wickedness, but I'm going to offer my body as an instrument of righteousness. I'm going to do that in faith. I'm going to, I'm going to do that, and I'm, it's like I'm giving my body, it's a military term, as a weapon. I am a weapon of righteousness. So are you in Christ if we offer our bodies, we are dangerous to the devil. We are dangerous to sin. I'm going to offer not my body as an instrument of wickedness to be used by the evil, by evil, but I am going to offer my body as an instrument, as a weapon of righteousness. How do we practically do it? How are some practical situations? Here's, I'm going to give an example from my own life. It was so, so, this is from a fair while ago, but it was so real at the time. You see, sometimes sin, the power of sin and the power of the devil just seems so real to us. I was in PNG on a missions trip. And I sat, we were, we, we were ministering to a, a group of young, main, mainly young men, some women. And I sat there and God gave me 
He gave me a framework of a message for these people. He gave me the framework. And Pastor Dave was there and Pastor Jenny and Pastor Dave's thinking, who should speak? Who should speak? And he thinks, I think Jenny should. And I'm thinking, no, 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 man. I should. I should be the one speaking. But you know, Jenny got up, spoke. She spoke this word, which was exactly what I was going to say. I could have I said that. <laughs> I could have done that. Do you know, instead of being rejoicing and thanking, you know what welled up inside me? It was envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy. Envy and jealousy. This is a time for me. Envy and jealousy. It's so strong and powerful. But this is a time for me to say, no. No, I am dead. I am dead to sin. That died on the cross. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's a time for me to do the Mass. It's a time to, for me to, to, to remember I, I'm baptised into Christ. It's a time for me to resist the temptation, to allow that to foster. And it's a time for me to take some positive action in faith and, and start to thank God. Oh, thank God. Thank God that Jenny's preaching this word. Thank God that you're teaching me, Lord, to hear you. Thank God and go up and congratulate Jenny and bless her in Jesus' name. What about gossip? Oh man, I go to a meeting and there's things said that are in private just, and I go home. Oh, there's sometimes a struggle. I want to tell Lynn about this. Oh, you know, oh, I could start to justify it in my mind. Thankfully, church, I've got a wife who'll cut me off and say, Selwyn, I don't want to hear this. I'm just being honest. Lynn and I don't talk, honestly, <laughs> about <laughs> issues we shouldn't. <laughs> Didn't come out right. I just don't want you to lose confidence in me. But it's real. It's real, and it's a time for me to say, no, I know this is wrong. I know this is going to be gossip that I'm just saying it for gossip. I know it's a time to count myself dead to sin. It's a time to resist. It's a time to do something positive. Just change the conversation. Speak well of the person and not say anything about any negative thing. It's a time. What about the good we know to do? We know where to do good and go and bless our neighbour. We know the Holy Spirit's prompting us, but self says it's easier just to stay at home, watch another movie. It's more comfortable. You know, self says, don't get involved. This is going to be messy. You know, self. Jesus, it's a time with Jesus' help, with the Holy Spirit's help to say, no, self is dead. I've been crucified in Christ. I'm going to get up out of my chair and go and visit my neighbour. I'm going to be a weapon of righteousness. Sometimes we're hiding hurt Our hearts have been damaged and we're hurt. And the hurt's real. We need help. We know we do. We need God's help. We need the help of brothers and sisters in Christ. But pride says, I'll just do this on my own. Pride says, I'm not going to bear my heart to my, to my wife. I'm not going to bear my heart to any of my brothers and sisters in Christ. 
pride. It's a time to say pride has been crucified in Christ. My sin nature is dead. It's, it's time to take a brave step and go and talk to someone you trust. We've just had a, a um, series from Nehemiah, or in the middle of it, a little diversion today. But Nehemiah, Nehemiah and the people, they work together. They work to build the wall and then they're getting together to stop injustice and treat one another well. That's an example of offering ourselves as weapons of righteousness. And we see too the example of the, of the discouragement and the intimidation from uh, Nehemiah's enemies, from the, the enemies of the Jews, Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem. And we see their intimidation and their, and their um, accusation and inventing things. You see, the devil wants to call your bluff. He wants to call my bluff. He wants us to think that all that we've read this morning isn't true. In reality, that we're not dead to sin, but we are dead to sin. And he wants to call our bluff. He wants to think that the temptation is so great that, that we can't not give into it. He wants us to think that the sin we're trapped in is so bad that we'll never be free of it. He wants us to think that the demonic attack against our life is so powerful that we can't overcome it. It's all a lie. It's all a lie because it already has been defeated in Christ. I am dead to sin, but I am alive to God in Christ Jesus. The devil actually can't touch us. He, he's just full of lies and deceit. He can cause a lot of trouble. But he is defeated because sin and death have been defeated and I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Sin, Paul says in verse 14, shall not be your master. Simple fact, statement. Sin shall not be your master. Because, he says, I am not, because you are not under law, but under grace. We are not under law. He's talking about the Old Testament law. We're not under its authority. Yet through the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll talk in, and show later on in Romans that we will fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. But not by that external command, by the grace of God working in our hearts, applying these truths to our lives. The law added trespass, was added that trespass might increase. The Old Testament law was like a tutor to bring us to Christ. It showed us our need of a saviour. But we're not living under law. We're living under grace. Law has no power to break sin and break sin's reign. But God's grace does. And God's grace has. And God's grace will, in your experience and my experience, as we, by faith, trust in His grace and what He has done for us upon that cross. Father, we thank You. We praise You, Lord. We thank You for Your Word, the Bible. We thank You, Father, 
for the amazing grace that you have given us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for what you have done in our lives to equip us to know you, to enjoy you, to know righteousness, that you've not only imputed righteousness, but you're imparting righteousness to us to enjoy, to live, to live life worthy of you and to live life with our bodies, with ourselves, weapons of righteousness for your name's sake. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray you would encourage each one of us. Help us, Lord, where we struggle. Help us, Lord, to continue to walk with you and continue to grow in you and to continue to see and realize, Lord, the fullness of your victory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Help us, Lord. Oh, God, if we're trapped in sin, help us, Lord, get a hold of what you have already done. Help us live in the place in Christ that you have adopted us into and called us into. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Just going to ask the band's going to come.